Are you struggling with the desire to be in a relationship? It's difficult to know how to process all of the emotions and feelings surrounding our unmet desires and longings. And it's hard to know where God is in the middle of them. You are not alone. We know we've been there. We get you. We have the perfect guest for this episode, and she is going to walk us through how to deal with our unmet longings and desires. Our guest, Sam, knows about unmet longings. In fact, in the weeks leading up to this recording, she received the following text. Hey, I heard that you'd be a wonderful person to talk to about struggling with a desire to be in a relationship. Is that something you could maybe talk to me about sometime? It's something that I've struggled with for a couple of years, but I feel like it's hitting me extra hard right now. Perhaps you can relate with that young woman who sent that text. Well, we have Sam all to ourselves today, and she is going to provide some perspective and some practical steps for us. Yes, I'm so excited to hear from Sam today. I know I've had many unmet desires and longings over the years, so I'm so excited to hear what Sam is going to share with us. So Sam, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's really fun to get to be here with y'all. Okay, so I first met Sam when she was four years old. I'm not kidding. It was during my single years. I was involved at my church, and I taught four- and five-year-old kids. And Sam was one of my kids in that group. Can you believe it? Well, that was a few years ago. Yes. Just a few. (laughs) Just a few. Well, Sam, why don't you kind of catch us up and help us get to know you before maybe Kim starts sharing some stories about you whenever you were four. I don't know if you you would want that. (laughs) It's probably a good idea. (laughs) Yes. Um, Well, it's funny because our church used to have, and I don't know if you remember this, Kim, they had one of those like photo directories, like they have everyone in the church listed. Yeah. And you'd have your picture taken. And so I remember flipping through it as a kid and you were in there with your picture by yourself. And I just remember thinking how cool it was that like you were a part of a church and, you know, I was like, I don't know, six or seven at this point. Um, and just so like, man, okay. Like she's involved in a church and she's not married or with kids yet, but she's here. She is. And so I don't know that picture still sticks in my head of you in our little church photo directory. Uh, I remember what I had on and everything, but I won't go into all those details. <laughs> I don't churches do that anymore. Um, well, yes, my name is Sam and I am on staff with crew. I'm the women's director for crew at the university of Arkansas. Um, my husband and I, Eric have been married for almost 12 years and we have two kids. Jack is two and a half and Millie is five months old. And, um, a big part of my story is just that life really didn't turn out the way that I originally planned or thought. Um, God gave me a different story. And at this point, I'm so thankful for it, but honestly, the path to get to where I am. And even today, some of the things that are still present in my life, um, it involved a lot of grief. It involved a lot of confusion, um, some anger towards God, if I'm being honest. And really it was that confusion of what is God doing in my life compared to what he's doing in the lives of all my friends around me. Um, so I've been in seasons where I've kind of watched everyone around me experiencing something that I desperately wanted, 
But for some reason, God wasn't giving that to me. And I really think that as we go through all of life, we're going to have longings for many things. Um, It starts out really, I think, with marriage and friends, and then it becomes having children and wanting stability in your life, maybe some financial margin, um, just physical comforts in general. Like there's a lot of things that we're always longing for and hoping for. And for me, the big part of my story was that we weren't able to have children as we expected. And our journey to our two kids um, just took a lot longer. And I really had to totally depend on the Lord to provide for that. Um, And I really feel like that season really taught me so much about the Lord and who he is. um, But also, what do we do? And we're in a place where everyone around us has what we want. How do we handle that in our lives? Believe it or not, dealing with unmet longings and desires is not something only single women deal with. As an older single woman wanting to get married, back when I was in the church directory by myself, I connected (laughs) with my married friends who longed for children. Because at the core, many of the feelings that we were experiencing were the same. You know, I remember feeling so relieved after I got married, but then when we started wanting to have kids and I wasn't getting pregnant when everybody around me was, I felt so disappointed because I'm like, God, I've already gone mm. through this with singleness. I, mm-hmm. I've done my time. <laughs> you know, I don't want to be doing this again. And I mean, it was very difficult, but we invited Sam mm-hmm. on because she can really help us gain a broad perspective of handling all the desires and longings that we'll face in life. And, you know, as we talk today, like, I really want to make it clear to the listeners, like, I personally have not arrived in this area of trusting God and kind of navigating some of these different desires and longings I have in my own life. I feel like I'm honestly always discontent with something going on. Um, And so even now, as God has provided these two wonderful kids that we prayed for for years, there's still other things that are always coming up. Um, And I think that that's just true for all of us, that we're never going to have everything we want. But the way that we think about and approach those things, I think, especially for someone who's walking with Jesus, it changes because of that spiritual reality in our lives. And so even when the things that we want, whether they're really good things like to be married or to have kids or things that maybe even honestly seem a little surfacey and unimportant, um, I think we still bring those to the Lord. And so I'm excited to explore this conversation with y'all today and just really help your listeners think through like, what does it look like to approach these areas of your life? Um, in a godly way that really will shape um, kind of how, yeah, how you handle it now. And then as you move forward, um, how does that look different? So. Gosh, this is already so good. (laughs) I feel like we've already really dug up some gold here. So I'm really excited to get into the practical steps. Um, Sam, you have put together a few steps to help us process and navigate our unmet longings and desires. Uh, So what is your first step that you have for us? Okay. So the first step, whenever you're thinking about this topic, and this is going to sound really basic, but really just naming your unmet longings or what are the things that are driving you right now in your life um, to attain something or achieve something. And so just being free, feeling freedom to just go ahead and sort that out and name, what is it? And so a boyfriend and marriage, maybe it's a job and good friends. Um, Honestly, though, sometimes we don't really know exactly what we want. We just feel this restless, like something's, something's going on. And so there's a lot of power in being able to first just name what's going on and be specific. And I think the things with being specific is that oftentimes there's a deeper thing going on. 
So I think often we like, if you long for a boyfriend, there could be a deeper level of you really want to experience what your friends are experiencing because you feel left out. Um, maybe you want to be more deeply known and you don't have any relationships like that in your life right now, that there's even longings underneath the longings. And so if I were to look at my life right now, even, um, I'm really craving deeper community than I have right now. Um, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed in parenting and I, if I would name that on my list of what are, you know, where the top things I want right now is I want maybe a little rest and a little bit, um, (laughs) of just some things that are fun outside of, you know, my daily life. But then I think too, like I want wisdom and I want to know, am I doing a good job? Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Um, that I think there's lots of things underneath that, that tie to insecurities that I bet were the same ones that I had back whenever I was single and had a lot of similar insecurities going on in my life that I was looking for other people, um, to meet or help with. Sam, that's so interesting that you see some ties between the things about your unmet expectations or longings in marriage and in parenting that you saw when you look back at your single life. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's really interesting. I think that's good for our single listeners to think about. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is so good. You know, I, back to what you were saying, Sam, I just think it's so important that we name what we're dealing with and be as specific as we can about what we're feeling and what we're wanting. You know, it makes me think of this story in Mark 10, where Jesus interacts with this blind beggar named Bartimaeus. And our pastor did an incredible uh, sermon on this not long ago, and it just made it come alive. But think about it. I mean, here's Jesus, and he in- he's interacting with this blind beggar. And basically, the blind beggar heard that Jesus was walking by, and so he makes a commotion, and he's like, Son of David, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And he's making this commotion. People tell him to be quiet, but he keeps yelling. So finally he gets Jesus' attention. Jesus comes over. And Jesus, the first thing he says is he goes, what do you want me to do for you? And I'm like, duh, I'm a blind beggar. <laughs> what do you mean what do you want me to do for you? And I just think there's something in that for us because I think sometimes naming things is helpful for us. I mean, God knows what we need before we Mm -hmm. even ask, you know, I mean, it's not that Jesus didn't know what he needed, but I think for him to voice it was very important. So I'm so glad that this is your first step, Sam, because I just think that is so important. Yeah. And I remember as a single woman, just feeling some shame around admitting that I wanted to get asked out or like I wanted to get married. I kind of felt like it wasn't okay to want that. And so I think that's really helpful to hear that it's good to name it because those are good desires. And even when I think about for me, like right now, I do like long to get married. You know, I turned 30 this year. And even as I apply what you just said, Sam, like I think underneath the desire to get married is like just a desire for all the things to fall into place that need to happen Mm. in order to get married. I think the older I get, it just feels like a miracle to me that people do get married. I'm like, wow, so much had to happen and fall into place for these people to get married. That's just amazing. Um, and I, I think back to when I was in college and right out, out of college, I really longed to be asked out on a date, but underneath that, I just really wanted to be chosen. I wanted a guy to see me for who I am and to choose me. And I think that being able to be specific about both of those things is so helpful. 
And there's something really special about that vulnerability, maybe um, for yourself, first of all, to like really be able to see what's going on in your heart. Like, I love that, that like you really want to be chosen. Like that reveals so much more about your heart than just that you want a boyfriend because everyone else has one or, you know, kind of showing you what's really going on. Um, Yeah. I just think that that's a really beautiful thing to be able to be vulnerable enough to admit this is where I'm at. And this is, this is ultimately what I'm really desiring. That's so good, Sam. So Sam, what's your next step? Okay. So the next thing I think once you've kind of identified, here's what's really going on. Here's what I am longing for in life is to maybe recognize some of the unhealthy or incorrect ways that we're often thinking about how to deal with what we want. So I would say there's a really common message that we get from the world and you will see this on, you know, in, inspirational posters and in Disney movies and quotes on Pinterest or wherever it is that you're looking for stuff, you'll see this idea that we're supposed to follow our hearts. Um, A lot of romantic comedy movies all really tap into this idea of, man, trust your heart and trust the things that you want. And that ultimately makes the things you want the ultimate goal in your life. But also, if you're supposed to follow your heart and you don't have what you want, it's your fault. Like, I think that that's the like, it's not actually a message of freedom. It's a message of discouragement because if you're following your heart and yet you still aren't married or you still haven't achieved whatever you're trying to achieve, you have only yourself to blame. And so we so often think that it sounds really nice to like, just follow my heart. And if I want something, I'm going to go for it and get it. But that's maybe not the full picture. And so I think that's one common unhealthy way that we think about our desires. But the other one, and I think this is something I especially felt, um, in spiritual and in Christian circles is that we're supposed to eliminate our desire, that it's wrong to want things. Um, and so especially if, if you want to be married and you're not that fact that you want, that means that you don't trust God and that you're not content. Um, and even then I used to feel like, okay, so now I have to somehow prove to God that I'm content enough in whatever season of life I'm in. So that when I get, when I'm content enough, then he'll give me whatever it is that next thing is. But otherwise he's looking at me critically going, "You have you really let go of that desire? Like, I don't know where this came from, but I really have felt this throughout my life. Um, that if you want something badly, there's shame attached to that. And that it's not biblical or godly to have desires because you should just be content with wherever you're at and whatever you have. So I think- Sam, that is so we, true. <laughs> Sam, that is so good. I feel like you named that so well. I think I was operating in that same mindset of once I don't want marriage enough, that is when God will bring the guy. And it's just helpful to hear that other people have thought that too in singleness. And, you know, I think when we look at the Bible, the core truth of the gospel is that God loved us and reached out to us while we were still sinners. Romans 5 actually says that we were enemies of God when he made us friends of God through Jesus's death, Um, that we were in no way able to prove ourselves to God before he um, did what Jesus did on the cross for us to reconcile that that relationship. So God wasn't looking for us to prove himself before he was like, you know what? I think that you want me enough. I'll send my son to die for you now. Like now we'll restore that relationship. You've proven that you've gone halfway. And so that's the core of the gospel is that God reached out to us when we had nothing we could even prove or attempt to offer him. Um, Another verse I love is Psalm 103, 14. And it says that he knows our frame and he remembers that we're dust. And I think there's so many moments in my life where 
to go, God, I'm so grateful you know that I'm dust because I don't have it all together. And I do want things that may or may not be in your plan for me. And I'm sad because I don't have those things. Um, that there's freedom to come to God in that and that he isn't looking down on us going, okay, let's see what you got. Let's see if you really um, have let go of this enough and then I'll give it to you whenever you finally let go of it. That's good, Sam. Your, <laughs> your point about feeling like we need to prove ourselves just really hit me because I, I really felt like I needed to prove myself in singleness to God and then he would bring the right guy as a reward. It's like, man, once you're content mm-hmm. enough, once you're you have your, you know, your ministry is good enough. Once you trust me enough, then I will bring the right guy. And I think that sometimes you can look at other people's stories and sort of like read into that and be like, man, they were just killing it and singleness. And then this guy came out of nowhere, which is like a beautiful story. But I think I kind of took that and was like, man, well, once I reach that point, then God will bring it. Mm -hmm. And so then it really rocked my world and my view of God when I felt like I was being faithful but guys weren't asking me out or my relationships weren't ending in marriage. So I think that's so good to just remember the truth of the gospel that God brings good things when we don't deserve them or earn them. And ultimately when he isn't meeting that specific desire in the way we want, that there is room to come to him with that, that he doesn't want us to try to go and work it out on our own before we come to him with it. So good. Well said. And Leah, okay. I love that you brought up that it, shaped your view of God. Like, cause that's kind of the next thing that I would share is start to think about what are you believing about God? Um, you know, with that, like, I thought that God was maybe like a school teacher looking to see if I'd learned my lesson enough before he would, you know, give me the sticker or the reward. I think sometimes, especially when we have places that we feel a lack, we can think that maybe God is stingy or that God doesn't care or that God has this critical eye on you because you're not trusting him. And most of us probably wouldn't verbally say we believe that about God, but internally, as we examine like our view of who God is in light of our circumstances, that's often what we think about God. Um, And so there's probably deeply buried ideas that are keeping you from fully trusting God. And so I would say like, after you've kind of identified, you know, what it is that you desire and maybe how are you approaching it in terms of what do you think about our desires? What do you think about God and reflect on what's actually true about his character? Um, A couple of verses that really have been significant for me to like cling to like, these things are true about God. One is that he's generous in Romans 8 32. It says he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And it's hard in the moment to go, do I believe that God is generous? Because this sure doesn't feel generous in the moment. But if that if that is true about God, somehow that has to be true in my life. Even if it doesn't look the way I would want his generosity to look right now, um, that that is true about God. And so that doesn't change based on my circumstances. There's a passage in Matthew 7 where um, Jesus says that we can ask and it'll be given, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. But then he goes on and says, who, if his son asks him for bread, who would give their kid a stone? Or if they're asking for a fish, who's going to give him a snake? And Jesus says, if you who are mere humans, you're sinners, you're you know, evil because of your sinfulness, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more? Will your father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And so just remembering like who God is in that. 
I love that verse. I'm so glad you shared it because we, um, one of my old friends, he would joke about it and he'd say, oh, thank heaven for Matthew 711. Back in the day when 711, you know, that was kind of their little theme song or whatever. And, uh, and it helps me remember it, but it just remembering the goodness of God. So I'm so glad you pointed that out, Sam. Yeah, I really, I really think that the more I read the Bible, the more I see evidence of God using our desires to draw us to himself, that it's not a bad thing to have wants and bring them to God. And God is not up there going, man, I don't know if I have enough goodness to pass out today. Like, we'll see how she proves herself or we'll see, you know, what's going on. Or let let me compare to someone else. I think that's the other piece of it too, is I thought maybe God was good for someone else and not for me. And so maybe God ran out of good plans or I don't know, whenever you say it, it sounds kind of crazy, but when you're in the moment and discouraged, it is so hard to bring yourself to what is actually true about God, because that doesn't necessarily feel true for me right now. And then it can be really confusing that if we have desires and longings, doesn't that mean that God's going to fulfill them? Why would God create us with desires if he wasn't going to answer them that way? And, you know, I used to hate when someone would tell me, if you have a desire to be married, I'm sure you will one day. Or oh, yeah. even it got it got a lot harder when people were then saying, like, you have a desire to be a mom. I just know God's going to give you a baby. Like, that's what he does. Because we see a lot of examples in scripture of God doing that for women. And it wasn't happening for me. And so it was this question of how do we handle that tension of I have this desire for something I want and God's not giving it to me. And so we get so lost in false beliefs about God because that doesn't seem to make sense to us in the way that we think in the ways that we want to see things happen. Sam, I love that point of that God uses our desires to draw us to himself. Cause I think innately, I just believe that my unmet desires or longings are bad. That's like, I'm just not trusting God enough. Like he, he isn't, I shouldn't have unmet desires or maturity and more godliness would mean that I I have less unmet desires because Jesus is filling those things. So I think to hear that God uses our desires to draw us to himself really reshapes how I view those things in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that you shared that. Yeah. And they so often are the things that then draw us to prayer and draw us to the Lord. And I think that maybe what he's doing is that he is using our desires to reroute our affections to himself. Um, that he's taking the places where we feel a lack of something, a disappointment and asking us, Hey, bring it to me because I care. I'm generous. I'm good. I'm loving. And I want you to bring that to me and see me as your instinct to come to him instead of looking for that fulfillment everywhere around us. You know, and as I start to interact with God more and more on the things that I want and maybe feel like I don't have right now, I do start to begin to see like, okay, he's the only place I can go to now. Like I, there's nothing else I have in my power. Like I start to feel that vulnerability that we were talking about. I start to feel that more deeply in that need and going, man, I can't meet this on my own. What does it look like to bring it to the Lord? And my, one of the verses that I clung to in my years of waiting and longing is Psalm 145, 15 and 16. And the psalmist wrote, the eyes of all look to you. And you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. And that picture of God, like opening his hand to satisfy my desires. Like there's something really sweet about that. 
And I always picture a bird like getting its bird seed from someone's hand, like in a movie <laughs> or something. I don't know why that's as a little bird, like hopping up to this hand that is generously open and providing all that it needs. And so if I can have that posture and that perspective of me, and do I really believe that God is doing that for me? Even when maybe the bird seed doesn't look like the bird seed I thought I was going to get, um, that he is providing and taking care of me and satisfying my desires, not just bare minimum, like he gives you your daily bread. And if it's stale and crusty, at least it's bread. Like (laughs) it's just like a picture of like goodness. And he like is generous and providing and caring. And so I think when I can realign my heart to who actually is God and how does he meet me in my desires? What does he think of them? And ultimately that he wants me to come to him. Like that's his end goal with all of it is that desire for me to love him more deeply and to come to him with all my feelings and emotions and craziness and disappointments and all those things um, that I really feel like that at the end of the day may be the main point that we're taking our eyes off of ourselves and our circumstances and shifting them back to him as the source of all that we need and want. Sam, how do you continue to bring your unmet desires to God when he continue continues to not answer them in the way that you expect? Because mm. um, I think that I can kind of you know, approach this with a really brave mm-hmm. attitude the first couple of mm-hmm. times I come to God with my unmet desires. But then mm-hmm. when it feels like he's continuing to not answer them the way that I want him to, I think I just get discouraged and it's harder for me to believe these things about him. So how do you feel like that's easy or hard for you to keep coming back with the same desires mm-hmm. and same prayers over and over again? Or how do you keep praying for the same thing? That's a good question, Leah. I love that. Um, I think I keep coming to him and my tone of voice gets a little bit more frustrated every time. And he's Thanks okay for that realness. <laughs> um, being honest, I have yelled at God out loud in my home, hoping that neighbors can't hear because it's so loud because I'm so frustrated and he can take it. And I think that there has been some freedom in that of not feeling like I have to come to God with my desires in this really put together way of Lord, this is what I want, but I trust you and it's all going to be okay. I just know, I just want your will to be done. Like, I think we often feel like that's how we need to do it. And so that's part of why we get exhausted coming to him is that we're also being kind of fake in how we come to him, Mm -hmm. that we are trying to come with this perfect posture and we don't have that. And he knows our hearts. He knows that's not what's in our hearts. (laughs) Well, that's the beauty of the Psalms, because in the Psalms, you see these raw emotions and, you know, it may not be good to process your raw emotions with everybody in the world but like if you can just draw near to God and then that just that just alone with him is just let it rip I mean because that's what we see in the Psalms and I just think that's so good for us to process those things as ugly and as embarrassing as some of those emotions and feelings are they're they've got to come out and with God is the safest place for them to come You know, I think that coming to him repeatedly with those desires, and then especially when they weren't met, my circumstances did not change. It never took away the desire necessarily. Like, I don't feel like we say God satisfies our desires, which means we no longer have things we want. Mm -hmm. But it reshaped my desires to no longer be the main thing that I was coming to him for, if that makes sense. And so I could still acknowledge that this is what I wanted But at the same time, I had a greater trust and settledness in him. And so it was no longer the like main thing in my life that I couldn't see past. 
that makes sense. It didn't control me in the ways it used to. And so even when I had a bad day, um, you know, often when we want something, it seems like everyone else around us has it. And so whether it's another engagement announcement, or for me, it was another baby shower invitation, you know, another friend who gets a promotion or who figures out this area of their life that you're trying to figure out. It feels like everyone around you will always have those things because you're looking for them. And it would still affect me, but it wouldn't shake me in the ways it had previously. And so I maybe just coming to the Lord consistently changed my rootedness in him. And so I was no longer blown by the wind and blown by my unmet longings in the way that I was before, but I didn't take him away. I don't want anyone to think that all of a sudden it just magically goes away, but they changed. And I would say even, you know, our story with our kids is that we became parents through adoption And so I never experienced pregnancy and I still don't know that I will. And that desire has shifted a little bit that I then desired less to be pregnant and more to be a mom. But I think that, you know, as I look back on singleness, like you, you less desire it to happen exactly according to your plan and you more trust, like, what is God's plan for me? And can I let go of my specific plan expectations and trust what God is doing now and what he's going to do in the future? So good. Thanks for sharing this. When I was at that church with the single girl (laughs) picture in the directory, I remember, and it was the Mother's Day right after she died. So I was sitting in the church pew and I was kind of in the middle. It was like my, one of my first Sundays back because it was her, when my mom died, it was a very, um, I was at a low point. So I'm sitting there during Mother's Day and I knew it was going to be tough, but I just started crying. I started crying because I mean... I felt like, God, you took my mom away and you won't let me be a mom. I hate this day. And I just started bawling. And it's kind of one of those bawlings where you just kind of lose control a little bit. So I'm like heaving, you know, and but I'm in the church service. I'm in the church service and people around me. And so if I got up to leave, it would make it worse. So I just sat there and just cried. And so anyway, I share all that just to let you know that there are a lot of raw feelings with this. And I wish I would have had this episode to listen to as I process through those things, because I just felt like not many people understood kind of what I was feeling. And people would kind of pat me on the back that day. You know, they were brave to say something. I mean, what do you say to somebody who just bawled through the church service? You know, it's like, God will give you children someday or, you know, I was just like, no, I just want to be alone with God. But anyway, thank you for sharing all that. I I think with that and with that question, it's a good transition. And kind of the last thought is like, as we recognize who God is, when we focus on who, who God is and what's true about him, then it's more easy to surrender to his plan and his care for us and his trust And so I think if God is a loving father who takes care of us, surrender is just less scary. And so as we learn to take things to him and process with him and really identify what's going on, it then allows us to go, okay, but God, if you are good and I know you are, I can trust you that you're doing something good. And it allows us then to not feel like we have to control it and we have to be the ones to make things happen. And so in that surrender, there's really a joy and taking the burden off of yourself and going, okay, do I really believe God is who he says he is? And I think one of the best ways that I've been able to do this is just with scripture memory and using that as my gateway to prayer. And so when I'm in a moment where I don't believe 
that he's good and generous. Like I go back to Romans eight thirty two. like how will he not graciously also graciously give us all things if he gave us Jesus, like, Lord, help me to believe that's true about you. I don't right now. Or, you know, Lord, you open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. Like, I believe that you do satisfy my desires. And so as we've kind of like talked through, like praying repeatedly and going back to the Lord changes that. And as it frees you to surrender and trust him, it then also frees you to focus on other people and not just yourself and what's going on in your own life um, and the things that are disappointing or the things that don't look the way that you thought they would. And I really think that part of that surrender is just like not making your thoughts and intention all about what you want and allowing the Lord to use you in whatever season you're in. And so I think about the word availability comes to mind. And I've thought about this over the years and kind of all my different seasons is that there's been times where God has really given me the gift of availability. So in singleness and in our childless years, there's been joy and blessing just in loving others and serving them. And so in singleness, I had opportunities to lead small group Bible studies and disciple younger girls. And I really had a lot of freedom and time to invest in relationships. And then when I got married, that time changed. And over time, I then learned how to use it, but it looked different. And then all of our friends had kids and we didn't. And I then was available to last minute, bring a meal to someone whose kids were sick, or I could come over to someone's house during nap time to spend time with them. Or I remember holding a friend's baby so that she could go shower because I had the ability to do that. And so I just think like, there's going to be limitations in every season of our life, but there's also the ability to serve and care for others in different seasons of life. And so as we can shift our focus, not just inwardly on ourselves and what's going on, but as we've surrendered that to the Lord, we can focus on others in a way that gives us freedom and joy and not only focusing on, man, I don't have this right now and I wish I did. But instead of being resentful towards people who have what you want, what does it look like to come alongside them and love them and serve them well in your friendships or in younger women in your life or even older women in your life that the Lord wants to use you no matter what season you're in. And so it's not just about you, um, but what he wants to do through you. Sam, that is so good. And I think that I see how continuing to come to God with my prayer to be married one day, like you said earlier, it hasn't made that desire less. I don't have less of a a desire to be married, but he has reshaped it in a way that I trust him more with the outcome and the process than I did before. And like you just said, it has opened my mind to all of the benefits and the opportunities that I have to be single specifically as a 29 year old and all, all of the exciting opportunities there. Like I just accepted a new job with the downline Institute in Memphis, Tennessee, and I'm going to get to be mentoring young professional women. And I'm going to get to bring this, this specialness of being in their phase of life, but being a little bit older with a little bit more experience. And I'm like, if I had gotten married years ago, I probably wouldn't get to do this opportunity. And so I love, I love that you shared that, Mm -hmm. that as we continue to bring our desires to him, he reshapes them and help us, helps us to focus Mm -hmm. on how we can bless other people instead of just focusing Mm -hmm. on getting what we want. Yeah. I love that. That's really exciting. And I think there's like, you displayed a good tension there that there's a tension between the reality is I still want to be married, but there's joy in the reality of my life right now that I'm not married, but it doesn't take away the fact that you want to be married. Like you can hold both and that's okay. I think we often think when it comes to things we want, it's one or the other. Like you can either be totally content where you're at and you have no desires or you have desires. And so therefore you can't be content, but really those two things can coexist in a healthy way. And so I think 
you're a great image of that, Leah, um, of just being able to sort through both of those things together. I agree. I agree. Sam, thank you so much for sharing all of your steps. And just to recap them for you guys, number one, the first step is to name your unmet longings or the things that are driving you to attain or achieve or experience. Number two is to recognize unhealthy or incorrect ways. We often think about what to do with what we want. Step three is to recognize what you might be believing about God. And number four is to surrender your desires and move your focus outward. Sam, thank you so much. Honestly, I wish I could have heard this talk when I was a single woman, and I'm just so thankful that I can hear it now because, again, we're all dealing with unfulfilled longings and desires in life because life wasn't meant to satisfy us. (laughs) Only Jesus is. And so thank you for giving us these practical steps. Sam, if, if someone wanted to reach out to you individually, what would be the best way for them to do that? Yeah. If you want to just find me on Instagram and DM me, my Instagram name is Samantha C. Barnes. Um, That's probably the easiest, fastest way to get in touch with me. Okay. Well, we'll link it in the show notes. And uh, so you'll be able to have connection with her. But Sam, thanks so much for getting a babysitter and making time to join us today. I'm telling you, these are words of gold. They've been marinated and they are words of gold. So thank you so much for sharing. And I do want to give a special shout out to our crew listeners. You know, God used Stumo to reach me in my journey toward God, but he used crew in the life of my brother. He went to a different school than I did, Mm -hmm. and God used some faithful laborers, workers in crew to uh, get his attention. And it was just interesting how that impacted our family. I think my parents were like, oh, okay, so this is bigger than Stumo. This is bigger than crew. Something's going Mm -hmm. on with our kids. And so I think it's what really helped them uh, make their steps toward God. So I'm just grateful for our crew crew. (laughs) So thanks, Sam. Oh, I love that. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, thanks so much for making time. We have enjoyed this time with you and being able to process through the hard things in life. And uh, But we are not finished. We still have a lot more to talk about. So we hope you'll join us again next week. <laughs>